Now, if you have eyes, well, you most likely have laid them on my guest today. As one of the world's most bankable male models, he's recognised for his smouldering gaze and a pair of skimpy white briefs. David Gandhi is a British model, entrepreneur and charity ambassador who has blazed a trail within the modelling industry since his career began aged just 21. His breakout moment came in 2007 with the now iconic Dolce & Gabbana light blue fragrance commercial shot by renowned photographer Mario Testino. In 2021, after 20 years in the industry, he launched his eponymous label, David Gandhi Wellwear, a lifestyle brand that fuses fashion, function and well-being. In this conversation, David openly discusses the importance of trust in business, overcoming rejection, fatherhood and staying positive amidst challenging times. David, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, you look very professional with your headphones, and I, I do have a microphone thing. I hope you can hear me properly. So I'm, I'm not I, can, I, I can hear you perfectly. Yeah, how are you doing? You're looking well, as always. Thank you. Not bad, sir. I'm glad when people said that. Also, with two kids, you just feel quite dishevelled sometimes. You're just, uh, there's, you know, children's hand prints or snot prints or jam prints or something on you. It's constantly changing shirts. And <laughs> well, no, a lot has happened, and I, I, I've been uh, very happy to witness your journey along the way and and you know obviously this show is all about the numbers so uh, i think it's t it's time to crunch some i know you love a good number one thing you didn't have um was your own kind of immediate brood when we first met obviously now you've got two young girls um when it comes to your family what is a meaningful number for you i mean immediately immediate family um, in, in my sort of when I was growing up, for some reason, seven, this is before the girls came along, this is, this is my mum and dad, uh, seven came up all the time. It still does, weirdly. But I think you, I noticed the number seven. So then anything that comes up with number seven, I think this is going to be good. Because I, I will go into like a meeting room, it'll be, oh, your meeting room seven. I'll be like, good, this meeting is going to be positive. It's going to be a, pos a positive meeting. So I, I probably go in with a different mindset already but my, my sister was born on the seventh i passed my driving test on the seventh when i got to university my room was 007 um, oh that's a good so, omen you know, um I, I i love i didn't actually enjoy university but it was a good room um, <laughs> so, um yes it comes up so quite a bit you know i mean even um the year sort of light blue came out about you know that was when we did the campaign that was that we shot the uh shot the commercial, should I say, not the, not the campaign, we shot the commercial that then came out in 2007. So there's a bit of a link sort of there as well with number seven. So that in sort of my family time throughout my life, the number seven have always been, been uh, I suppose, yeah, I was quite lucky in some ways. Well, my sister was born on the seven, I'm not sure if that's lucky or not, depending on how we're getting on the time really. That was when we were growing up, I didn't think it was lucky, but we get on now. Really. Are you just two kids? Just two, two's enough. <laughs> so you, when you were in university you were like no this isn't for me i want to get on with it did you have a vision in mind of what you wanted to achieve did you always want to go down the road of of modeling no it was never modeling i mean i was i was um a housemate of mine from university put me in for a competition uh, modeling competition I, I knew nothing about. It wasn't until a select model agency called me up and said, you're down to the last 10 uh, for this modeling competition. But I was desperate. I was, and to that point, I was like, yeah, anything that, I, I knew nothing about fashion, I knew nothing about the fashion world, nothing about the industry. I think everyone has these um, lovely ideas of the industry and lovely ideas of modeling in many ways. I didn't know what it meant. 
really. Um, but we're all inspired by clothing. I love style, and I always love design. I studied art and uh, graphics and all these different things. So um, I, I knew that uh, design and vision and, and, and uh, everything architectural, cars, I had a you know, massive interest in. I just didn't really know that's where I should have gone. You know, I should have done something with car design. I should have done something with car engineering. Just designs a whole, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've ended up doing that, really, in a roundabout sort of way. But, um, no, then I, so I, I sort of came out of that and then won the competition and saw what I thought was a good opportunity, really. But at, you know, 21, uh, when I came into the industry, nearly 22, um, it looked like it looked fun, you know, when you were traveling and everything I wanted to do, really, at the end of the day. Was it fun? No, there were. It, it, you know, the, it was. It was. A, you know, for five years, it was. I paid my dues. Let's put it that way. And like, it, was, it was a grind. I, th- I think everyone I kind of thinks that I, I came out of the university. Or I, I chucked into the modeling industry, and I was a bit like Kate Moss. You know, I was doing Calvin Klein. I was doing Dolce, and it wasn't like that at all. It was. It was a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. And it was afterwards. You know, that's. When I got light blue in, in 2006, 2007, that's when the work actually really started. Um, so so let's talk about that. So when, when we talk about the number that changed your life, I think, and changed your career, it is 2006, 2007, right? Yeah, definitely. That was, that was the, uh, the period. That was the time when you know, all the work and everything we had done, and I'd say we, because we were working that as an, as an agency, uh, my agency, as, as a team, uh, you know, that was the time that it all came to. It, it was, it was like a finally all those dreams that everyone thought modelling was on a speedboat from Naples to Capri, shooting with Mario Testino. I'd never shot with a big photographer before. You know, I'd never been on that sort of. I'd been on location, but not not to that extent. This is what the female supermodels were doing. You know, this is what I always wanted to aim for. Uh, they they set the standards. They set the platform. And yeah, then suddenly, you know, we were. Uh, on a speedboat with Mario Testino going over to, to Capri to shoot that. And uh, obviously we did not know it was going to be the success it was. Um, but uh, you, knew, you knew it was special when we were shooting because it was just very different to anything that anyone was shooting. So um, it, was, it was a made time. Yeah, so 2006, 2007. But, you know, I, I, there's other years because there were so many moments in other years that I know led to that. Um, so you can go back in all those years. But... If you had to say two years that changed everything, it was those years, of course. And when that campaign came out, did your career change overnight? Would you say? Yeah, it did. I mean, I I know people saying that. Um, they you know, people do say that though, something changed overnight. But it literally was people not knowing who I was to then press uh, and journalists and everyone wanting interviews and to know who the light blue guy was and who. The guy in the white pants was, and who this guy was, and then they found out I was English, of course. So um, then all the um, you know the English papers and English journalists were all interested, because everyone thought I was Italian. Um, so it was an intriguing story, and um, yeah, so we, we, we've 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 gone from there, and it, it did it did kind of change everything, and it put me in in a little bit more of control of the situation, more than the. I always say you want to be in control of the industry. The industry shouldn't be in control of you, and that's pretty much before you were, you were told where to go, what to do, what to wear, and I wanted an input. Um, and I knew from the female supermodels that you had to brand at the end of the day. That was, 
that was how you differentiate yourself from from other models. You know, your competition is that you're you're bringing something to a brand. You're bringing a gravitas, uh, not just a face. So you, you know that's why eventually people would be like, you know, I, I say David Gandhi sometimes in a third person because that's what we were building. We were building this brand, and um, we had to do everything from there. So that that is when the the real hard work started. But um, it was fun. It was you know hasn't hasn't really stopped from there. Really. I mean, it, it's it's an iconic image. It's an iconic TV advert, and obviously, you know, you're in your little white skimpies. Um, <laughs> we, you know, has has anyone? Because it kind of puts you in this place of very much visceral desirability, right? People that have seen you. Did anyone ever like cross the boundaries? Like, were people throwing themselves at you? No, no, like I, <laughs> I think there's uh, also I had a I, I was I was older at the time, of course. You know, when you talk about models and modelling, you know, there's can be you can start very young. You know, you're talking models now at fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. At at, at, at that age, I was you know twenty five, twenty or twenty six, twenty seven, to be honest. Um, so I had a I was always a more mature head on shoulders than than younger than other people anyway, and uh, by that stage. Um, I, yeah, I, I suppose no one really took a, you know took advantage of that situation. I, I don't mm-hmm. think they would have someone else. I'm not saying they would have. Listen, it, it's one of those you know it's an industry where people can you know it's an industry mm-hmm. like the music industry, like the film industry, uh, the modeling industry is where um, people's lives can be changed very very quickly. And, and it wasn't just the low of the money; it was low of fame and uh, celebrity and. Um, People can take advantage of that. You know, it's not just the, you know, the modeling industry that, that that can happen. There's lots of industries in many, many forms. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but um, no, it's uh, it's one of those industries you, you become as well very, uh, I suppose, nonchalant about, you know, being, you're, you're very self-aware, really. You, you, you have to be. But also you're, you know, I remember with Light Blue, it's with... You were looking at the swimming, the, you know, the, the small swimming shorts. That took about three hours of changing swimming shorts. So someone just looking at your cross. <laughs> do you do you ever think? Um, you know, I always I always have these thoughts. Sometimes I'm like, what like when your daughters are like adults and they're looking through books or whatever, mm-hmm. and they and they spot you and they're like, oh my god. There's dad. Like, there's dad. Do you ever think what will go through their mind? Um, I think when you when kids go, my, my children are probably too young to understand it. Um, you know, they <coughs> see me on the television, billboards and stuff, and it's just dad. You know, it's just like, oh, there's dad on the television, or there's dad on the billboard, or something like that. They, they're too young. And my niece and nephews are sort of good. They grew up um, more to sort of getting to know, like, their uncle was, they, they knew me. And people would be like, well, look, there's David in that big post from that shopping. And they'd be like, yeah, okay, great. Like, it wasn't anything to them. Mm-hmm. That, that was my job. And to my understanding, that's where I very much kept uh, those two sides, you know, my personal life, uh, very private to my, I said, you know, my, my, my business life. Mm-hmm. And that is one person persona. And something is, is, that's left all behind after that. You know, that's, um, it's uh, you're playing a role in some ways in 
modeling you know it sounds it sounds very strange but you know it's like acting it's like a, you know that person was this mediterranean um you know sort of italian masculine man kind of thing um and you're, you're playing that role you empower yourself by putting on a suit or something you you mm-hmm. feel something coming on in that shoot if someone says well we're doing a you know a a James Dean or a Steve McQueen, or this is your inspiration, this is that. You you do change in some way to play that role. Um, and that's the fun side of it. But um, And there is always a slight, you always, there's a slight ego to that. And you have to, I believe. I always think you never want that ego to take control. That's where a lot of people make mistakes. But you have to have that confidence. Confidence, ego, you know, kind of sometimes the same thing. People take it too far. Um, but I think you almost have to have that. Um, on, on, on a shoot sometimes as that, as that confidence to really sort of put it off and you learn really and I've said this to so many young models who come and come and model for wellwear I said look you, you feel embarrassed this is a, a very especially for men unnatural thing that we're asking you to maybe dance or do something stupid or take your top off or do all these things I said you know you have to have the confidence in that creative at that time especially you know, when I shot with Mario Testino is that they are going to make you look the best they can. That's all I've ever said to models. I'm never going to put something out there that you won't like or you're feeling bad about. It, you, you, but just do it and have the confidence to do it. Don't worry about looking like a bit of an idiot, even on castings or anything else. Just you know, push, you know, push the boundaries and, um, and, and be uncomfortable in some ways because it, it is pushing you where you don't want to be and people restrain from that. And that's why I had to learn that really at the end of the day. It's, and, and my... My way of dealing with that is just going into my shell, getting a little bit angry about people asking me to do something. Um, you know, <laughs> I've, I've had I've been in situations where I've had to like lovely situations, but horrible in my situation where like dancing with J Lo, J Lo, one of the biggest dancers, entertainers in the world, and she's going to this dance routine, and they're like, David, dance with her, and I'm like, oh my god, like, you know, this isn't like another model. This is one of the biggest entertainers ever. And I make a joke of it, you know. So if I stood back and got angry, went, oh, I'm not doing that. It's it's very hard. So I just have to get involved and chuck myself in it. And you know, you get you get you see a snippet of what actually you're seeing. Is rejection something you have to deal with much? Yeah, of course, Dad. Yeah, you have to deal with that maybe twenty times a day. Um, and how, how do you deal with it? Like, what's your kind of mental model to not let it stop you? I think you have to look at it. As ne- it's never personal, really. At the end of the day, when I'm, I mean, I'm now casting for for Wellwear, and you have a vision in your head. Again, going back to playing a role, you have a creative. That creative will change season to season. But when that person walks in and puts your clothing on or acts in a certain way, it's just the look. What how they're looking that day is you know that person is perfect for that role, perfect for that casting, and it's nothing personal against anything else. Now, when it comes to love, what's your number? I don't, I don't know. Should I say three? Because that's my family moment, <laughs> and the two <laughs> girls and my two daughters. There is, I suppose, when it comes to love, it's, it, you cannot, you, I don't think anyone underestimates. It's a very hard thing to explain. I never understood it before I was a father, before I was a dad. But as soon as that little thing is handed to you, your job is changed completely in life to bettering yourself, bettering, looking after yourself, or looking after your partner and yourself, to just protecting that little person and wanting the best thing for that person, that, that, that little person. And then another one comes along, and it's the same thing. It's just this, you know, overwhelming love for anything. But if someone said to you, 
you have to chuck yourself in front of that bus to save your daughter. You go, yeah, no problem. You do it. There wouldn't even be a thought about it, and you can't explain that to anyone. It's 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 irrational. So um, yeah, that that that's probably it, really. So what's what are your kind of daily essentials? So like for me, I have to have my coffee in the morning before I speak to anyone, and I have to, you know, coffee and a banana. It's a winning combination, and. Um, and I, even this morning, cause obviously we're on different time zones. I like, I was up at a time this morning that I haven't seen in years, unless I was coming home. Um, and, um, what, what kind of, what do you need in your day to kind of set it up right? Um, God, coffee is, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, definitely a coffee. My, my Nespresso machine is the, you know, I literally there's somewhere either I'm in bed with the kids or the kids are in bed with us and there's time when they wake you up and I literally pick up both and now like wander downstairs and but it's to the coffee machine and I put the waffles in for the kids whilst I'm making I'm not making much sense at that time but then the thing is with kids as well is they just seem to wake up like like that and they're fully you know fully awake and fully mm-hmm. alert takes me about an hour you know about five coffees later and then I'm like okay I'm, I'm, I've never been a morning person I'll, I'll put it though I love the mornings um but I don't say much. It takes me. I'm much more of a night owl. I've always, I've never slept much or gone. You know, I, I, I like the night. And um, so, yeah, it's. Uh, but I've got to be careful. Like sometimes it's. Um, it is that sometimes I get to the end of the day and realise that I actually haven't eaten much, but I've had about six coffees. Like it's got me throughout the day because I've been so busy. Which is uh, the other side to it that you don't want to be. Tell me, um, has your definition of success or how you define success changed since becoming a father? I suppose you can determine, you know, your success is, is of, of how your children grow up, I suppose. I mean, that's where that's, you know, that will go on, really. Of, of how, and you can do your best and you never quite know how, how children are going to turn out at the end of the day. That's, uh, that's, that's not just down to you. And I suppose it is. But no, I might, I suppose... Aaron, in some ways, uh, success in the modeling industry was never money orientation for me. It was never, you know, the, the lure of the money. Um, I always said it was sometimes I said no to, to campaigns with lots of money and no to brands just because I didn't believe in. I, I very much believe that uh, when you're in the public eye, you have to be responsible as well. Uh, responsible about what you're advertising to. And they're all, we're, we're all, we call them influencers now, but we are all influential in many ways and we are selling items and selling brands and so I've always gone down the messaging of fitness and regime and wellness is why I you know the modern model for Vitabiotics and that came about because I met randomly met uh, they were coming out of a meeting and I said to Tej I was like I love your Wellman products I've been using them since I was 20 and we were just like great and that's how the first conversations came about and that's what we used in the campaign you know uh. I've been taking them since I was 20 so everyone thinks that's just a line but it's not it's how I almost got the campaign for them to become an ambassador. Um, so I've, I've, I've very much sort of stayed away from having offered fizzy drinks and cigarettes and ice creams and chocolate and everything else. But being a, a you know, I, I, I'm a believer in eating healthily and, and well and um, not advertising those sort of things. So uh, I've been pretty careful about what, what I, what I, you know, what I, what I influence or who I influence. That, that I mean, for me, the word that kind of springs to mind when when I hear you say that is obviously integrity. You you know you're maintaining your integrity throughout your choices in your career, which I think is a very important thing. And obviously, you know, you 
have stood the test of time and you've had a you know you, you've not been a flash in the pan and um, in the in the days of and it's something that you referenced in the days of social media mm. um has do you find it has become more difficult to really hold on to that essence or have you used social media as a means to kind of reinforce that um good question have i used social media um no, no it's been very organic because i haven't the, the following i have <clears throat> i hate the word organic but it is a very organic following um if i could come off of social tomorrow i would it was um i, I use it for, you know, for the business sense point and it is i suppose it's a great tool for getting the messaging across um but i i think i built what people perceive my brand to be years before social media um, and I had to do that without social media, of course. Um, so we're doing it the old-fashioned way with magazines and and uh, press and campaigns and stuff like that. And you know, it was back in the day. To you know, when you're talking about now, you know, you know, everyone is after numbers, really. There, there are you know, and brands, I think, have lost that slightly bit of you know in, integrity of hiring the right person to represent their brand. <clears throat> and I think a lot of brands are just looking for numbers. What's their What's their following? What What are their doesn't matter who they are, what they represent, or um, what their branding is is, is representing, or, or integrity that we were just talking about. It's how many people can we reach at the end of the day, and that's what uh, that's what a lot of brands are looking for now. So that creativity, of course, I think has been lost. You know, when we talk about the light blue campaign as being an iconic campaign, there were lots of you know, there's been so many iconic iconic campaigns, so much creativity over the years from Avedon, Bruce Weber. Mario Testino, Mariano Vivanco, these you know, books of thousands of images, all the Vogue covers and all that, and mm -hmm. we're losing that, and we have lost it. So, you know, there, there's exhibitions uh, of, all, of all this work, but I, I think we're going to lose that because it's just it, it, it leads to disposable creativity, and no no one is about longevity. Mm -hmm. I sometimes feel like you're following me around the world because regardless of what airport I'm in, you pop up. I'm like, oh, there's David. How's it going? Or I'm in the tube and it's your, it's your, your, the, the wellness. It's like, it's, I, you're, you're omnipresent, which I love. And actually, I meant to say this to you. I, I, I meant to take a picture at, at the time, but I was walking down Sunset uh, here in, in West Hollywood and there's this amazing kind of uh, advertising billboard on the side of the Pendry Hotel. And it's like, it's a ginormous screen. And sure, there you were. Um, I, I, I can see why they were being very pedantic about the placing of your white Speedos, let's just say. <laughs> I like everything with their large... Uh, you know, that's, that's good. That's, yeah, that's good. Like what's, the, what's the diner? Sorry, I'm going off a tangent. What's the diner down Sunset? There's a famous old like proper American diner on Sunset. Mel's? Mel, Mel's Diner? Yeah. Yeah, I go to LA and goes to the lovely restaurants. I'm just I'm just there at eleven o'clock for like a a two egg, you know, a two egg with turkey sausage and a old fashioned cup of coffee in America. Oh, I I love I love the old diners too. I love them. Yeah. Uh, David, tell me what ages in particular have been significant for you and why? Um, what ages? I suppose I think kind of I always say thirty years of age is when I stopped I was more comfortable in my own skin and I was um, it was a time when I when I could be I was 
you know, I, I it was a nice time because it was four years after Light Blue. I built the brand. Um, the businesses were going well. I, I had experience. I was a little bit more respected with the industry, so I, I was sufficient the boundaries of where we could go and what we could do. Um, and at 30, I kind of thought, I don't care what people think, really, about me. This is who I am. And you have that confidence. Your 20s is kind of fun. But I think you're kind of worrying. You're playing. You're maybe following a group. You're following a, a pack or you're following other people. You're in the term of 30 was that time where I was like, no, no. I, you know, you're, it's about being an individual. Um, and uh, so I, I think that was that was probably the time I... Sort of resonate with the most. I can't think of any other years that were mm-hmm. where I actually had that that thought. Like, okay, time to maybe just grow up. I don't know, but um, any other, I, I can't. I can't really think of. Um, I suppose eleven. Eleven. I, 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 for some reason, I say so. When I was ten years old, I was at the end of junior school, and so I remember having. I'm really enjoying that ten, eleven year old before going to well, high school. I sound very American, but senior school. Um, again, I'm not. I can't quite tell you why, but um, 11, like 10, 11 year old, I remember enjoying a lot. Um, and then I suppose the other ages, you know, when I when I did Light Blue again, which was when I was 25, 26, and that was the year that sort of changed a lot. I suppose. Any regrets when you look back from like when you'd see your like 30, 40 year old self? I don't really believe in regret. I, I think um, I think everyone looks back at times and wish they maybe had done something differently that's just, that's just that, that, that's just experience I think mm-hmm. um, I thought as long as you learn from just, um, so no I don't believe in that you, I, I've learned more from making mistakes and not continuing those mistakes and moving on learning from them uh, this goes in business this goes for personal life it goes for everything and um, and continuing from there life. is there any number that you wish you could forget the, the, the number is about zero because I remember I, I, I played a lot of cricket when I was young and I was captain of my town uh, and school and we got to the final and uh, up to that point I played really well and, <laughs> sorry yeah um, and then in the final I, you know, I, I was more bowler than batter but I was decent at both but more bowling and I just remember in the final I got zero wickets and I got zero runs and we lost the final. And it's always been in my head that, you know, I was, it, was, it wasn't my day that day. Um, yeah, so, so zero. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea what happens in cricket. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, no idea. Absolutely no idea. I won't even, I won't, you know, I won't explain the leg before wicket. Or, or Google is to you then, Darren. It sounds a little bit weird, but uh, yeah. Um, what's the number that changed your life, David? Well, I mean, the number that no one will probably believe, and that we're sort of going back to doing, you know, it wasn't about doing something for money. And it was, um, what led to Light Blue was the Dolce & Gabbana campaign, the apparel campaign in 2005, which I shot with Stephen myself. And we shot it in LA, and we were flown across. Now for that campaign, so everyone looks at these billboards and thinks you'll pay a wonderful amount of money, but I was an absolute nobody at the time, and um, getting shot for Dolce & Gabbana, it was a dream. Um, and I got paid 900 euros for, a, for the worldwide campaign. And I also remember that I, I got, I had to stay an extra night in the hotel because I, I had to go and choose something else. And I had to pay that myself. 
So then I had to change a flight, and I had to change that flight. And it actually cost me money to shoot that campaign. <laughs> but I just always remember it was 900, 900 after you, know, you take your commission off from your agency, it was 900 euros, and that, that's what I got paid. So that surprises people so much. Well, you know, why would you do it for that? But you have to have the four you know, the foresight that that is going to lead to hopefully something else. And it does for most of the models who shoot Dolce Gabbana. The gravitas, the prestige of shooting for Dolce. And of course that led to light blue. But, you know, there could be other people that said, I'm not shooting the campaign for, for 900 euros. So they would refuse to do it. Um, but you have to look at the bigger picture. You saw the opportunity. Yeah, it's like, I mean, every editorial, uh, you know, every cover of magazine, people, my, my father finds this astonishing that you get paid nothing. For, you know, for shooting those campaigns, for, for shooting uh, a magazine or an editorial. So all these covers I've done in my career and all these covers that you see of models uh, and editorials, it's it's just kind of personal PR. It's building your brand, it's building your imagery, and you get paid nothing for it, which again sounds very strange to people. What, what, when it comes to numbers that you check regularly, David, is there anything that that crops up for you? Uh, everything is checked now, and that, that's uh, you know how it is. Owning a owning a clothing business is, is everything is about numbers, from uh, you know the budget that we can afford to going on into seasons, to how much we can buy, to how much um, we can afford to spend on marketing, to what we're selling each day. Um, everything is new. Like all the accounts of all the companies we have um, is being checked. It's it's very. I, I'm not you know particularly. Uh, sort of number-minded, financially-minded, I'm, I'm good at finance, but, um, you know, it's become very, very, you know, we're looking, like, I literally spent half a day looking at like, financial models for today, you know, like, going through trying to get a model work for one of our, for one of our investments, and, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, a lot has changed in, in, in that period, but that's businesses, and that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm more gut-feeling of a business, and we're, Invest in the people and invest in the brand. I have a lot of investment, so I have to uh, do a lot, of, a lot of due diligence, and they have to do it on, on, on my company as well. So, yeah, everything is numbers now, really. Mm-hmm. Checking. Checking. And David Gandhi Wellwear, which, um, which I ha- own several pieces of, I have to say, and you're, that's one of yours that you're wearing now. It is. Yeah, I, I identified it. I could spot it. Congrats. It's, um, it's a lovely, lovely brand. I mean, a lot of people will think, given your pedigree and your experience in the business and the fact that, you know, you've worked with Dolce & Gabbana and whatnot, that to launch your own brand must be a piece of cake, which I'm assuming is, is not at all the case. Is it a struggle? Uh, it's not a struggle. We're not struggling. We're doing well. Um, but... You know, to you, you know, you all know this. It, it's to you know, the starting point is great, and if you do very well or do well, um, that's just the first step of a, you know, of a of a company. You don't have the major investment immediately ever that you need to grow a company uh, ten times its you know its size when it first starts, and that just carries on taking uh, investment after investment after. Um, and so yeah, it's uh, it's a hard game fashion. It really is. You know, we're we you know, we're trying to almost predict or encourage people to wear something six months, you know, down the line. You you haven't even sold you know, we we're in you know, we're in, in a um, point at the moment where we're designing I mean, almost spring twenty twenty four. We already know what's what we've got autumn, winter, but we haven't even sold summer 
2023 mm. yet. So that's that's how kind of like difficult it is. But we're saying, you know, we, you know, I, I like what we're doing at Worldware. We're we're meeting uh, for the first time. Um, you know, we've we've met wellness and apparel for the first time, hence the name Worldware. Um, and we're doing things how I believe things should be done, not fast fashion. Um, we have to get away from that. Uh, we really, really do. And that's, you know, it's something that we're, we're doing in Worldware. And we're saying we can make, you know, very stylish, quality, comfort, um, sustainable, responsible clothing with this technology of Worldware behind you, with aloe vera and in pajamas and loungewear and antibacterial uh, in the sweatshirts and stuff that you have. Um, it, it's a different, you know, it's a, 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 a new virtual category of clothing. Which of mm-hmm. course takes time, and we've been going eighteen months, really. So uh, we're a very new company. So yeah, it's the hardest thing I've done. Let's put it that way. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's difficult. David, I'm gonna before we wrap up. I'm I'm keen to know what's the the number one lesson that took you the longest to learn in life. Ooh, number one. Um, <laughs> I thought you know, it's not going to be a positive on this one, and I'm learning this more every day, especially having a business, is that the amount of people that you can trust with, oh. with a lot of stuff is is very, very small, very, very, even if you sometimes think that trusting someone, they can surprise you. Um, more more the way that uh, I think what you, the favors you do for people, and uh, you, I suppose what I'm trying to say is never expect the way you treat people for them to treat you the same the same way. And I think unfortunately I wish that was different. And there's still some great people. And there are still some uh, people that uh, that do treat you very, very well. But that gets smaller and smaller at the end of the day. And uh, I think that's what you learn. I don't think I still learn to I still think I probably live slightly in La La Land, thinking that everyone is going to think the same way I do and treat people very well. I know, you know, there's certain people, you are one of them, you're a very kind person, you've supported my brand. You know, we, we don't have to, you ask me to do something, I'll do it for you. you Thank you. you. You do the same thing. That's the way uh, we all want to help each other. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not the mindset of a lot of people. And unfortunately, yeah, I wish I I wish I had a more positive note on that really. But um, it's working for your, you know, that, that is, I suppose, the more you learn, is the, the more you have to take on yourself and the more you have to do yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Well, I, I, um, I unfortunately can relate to a lot of what you're saying there. But what I will say also is that little La La Land bubble, I, I protect it. It's my little shrine. I'm staying here and like, you know, go, go with your own flow and your own gut. I think that's your, the best compass in life. That, that's it. And you should never, I think if you dwell on something like that, you know, yeah. it's, um, then that's what, if it doesn't get you down, you know, we say, you know, you, you, you perseverance is getting knocked down. It's amount of time to just get up and keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. And um, yeah, um, but that's 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 what I've learned, I suppose. I love it. Well, what a lovely note to end on, David. Thank you so much for your time. A gent, as always, thank you so much, David, for taking the time to speak with me. I know you're a busy man between kids, a wife, house renovations, dogs, 
and your multiple business ventures. I really do appreciate your time. If you don't already follow David on Instagram, you can follow him at David Gandhi and be sure to check out his wellness brand, David Gandhi Wellwear. Now, if you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review and a star rating. It really does help the podcast grow and for other people to find us. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of the number straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care.